go to the book of Revelation. That's at the very end. Revelation chapter 22. Can we stand together please for the reading of God's word? Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And in verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside of the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Please be seated. How about that? The Bible is full of promises and imagery, a design to uh, inspire hope, awaken the deepest longings of the human heart, the desire for justice, I bring my recompense with me, the desire for peace, joy. Life, healing. He brings healing to the nations. 
uh, the desire to be uh, intimate, deeply intimate, like a lover knowing their lover, like a bride who wholly gives herself to her groom on their marriage night. These are the pictures, the imagery that the Bible uses to awaken human longing and to promise fulfilled desire. This is where the Bible uh, concludes. But it's not just in the, uh, the cryptic writings of the, the apocalyptic texts. Um, to be sure, Revelation is a great place to go if you're looking for some inspiration or other things. It's a bit of everything. But all throughout scripture, all throughout scripture, for example, if we go back to the book of John, John chapter six, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the scriptures has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says in uh, the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the primary New Testament writers, famously writes in his letter to the Philippians, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Oh, I wish he told us the secret. Of course, if you really want to awaken longing, if you really want to be inspired to hope again, we must go to the Psalms. Just a few of my favorites. Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence, Lord, there is fullness of joy. Psalm 37, verse four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 27, 13, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not just some day when I die, but like in life, in the land of the living. And as we just read, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Um, we are concluding Advent. I don't know if we've said much about it. Um, we've kind of forgotten <laughs> the last few Sundays. I don't know if, if you've been wondering, why, why are we talking about Advent at my church? Well, we have been in the Advent season. Advent, if you're not familiar, I didn't grow up celebrating Advent, or if we did in my church growing up, I simply wasn't paying attention. But Advent is, it's a time um, that the church, historically, the church has always set aside as a season of longing, as a season of, of expectation as we prepare for the return of Jesus. Because just as he came once 
He's promised to come again. And so Christmas is not only a celebration of that day when God did come, but it reminds us that he is coming again. You guys ever think about that? I remember this time, I was in London, actually. I'll tell you guys a London story. I actually think I've told this one before, but whatever. Um, I was preaching at a church. It was uh, a Chinese church in London. And uh, I, I don't know how I got invited there, but uh, I was invited to preach at a Chinese church, the English service. And uh, I preached my heart out. There was a gentleman in the back of the, the room. Um, he kind of had this sort of like Charles Manson-esque vibe about him. It seemed sweet enough, but um, <laughs> had this like wild look about him and long beard and had a backpack on and I noticed um, later that he had a wooden cross, a small one, attached to his backpack. And uh, he came up to me right after the service, right up to me, locked me like tractor beams, looked me in the eye and he said, brother, Jesus is coming back. And he walked off. (laughs) And it was like one of these moments, it was like, Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. And occasionally it's good to have those bizarre moments, wonderful moments, as we remember together, yeah, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back, and so there's hope. There's hope. We would do well to to long and to renew our, our vision But what will it be like when Jesus comes back? What sort of healing will I finally experience? What sort of peace? What will peace on a global scale finally look like? What a surreal notion. Jesus is coming back. And all of the promises of scripture will be fulfilled. The hope of fulfilled desire and the ache of eternal longing. This is, um, this is where hope gets tricky. You know, it's good to hope. It's good to be reminded. It's good to find all the verses that remind you of how good God is and all the things that he's promised to do and is doing and will do. And, 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 and that's, that's good because we need hope. And we need a vision for what is it gonna look like? What do I have to look forward to? What is this life that Jesus has saved me for? And then as we begin to sort of remember these things, there is this like ache that can begin to awaken because it's not happened yet. And I've actually been waiting for a long time. And I begin to wonder, to use the words of Psalm 13, how long, O Lord? How long? In my house, we have a little uh, countdown thing. Seven days till Christmas. I'm reminded multiple times a day, every day, more and more as we get closer and closer. I've got kids, three kids. Seven days. How long, oh Lord? I'm pretty sure my daughter could like give me, she's got it down to the minute. But how long, oh Lord? And so longings awaken and we can find ourselves in this um, intense tension of hope 
and the ache of eternal longing. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? I want to tell you guys about my grandfathers. I, both of my grandfathers um, have passed. My mom's dad, my granddad, died last or two summers ago. Um, him and, and his wife, my grandmother. My dad's dad, who I called Grandpa Al, his name was Alfred, um, he died several years ago. I don't know how many years it's been. We were still living in London when he passed. My Grandpa Al, he was, he was quite a serious man. I loved both of my grandpas. I grew up with just amazing experience, memories of like getting to spend, uh, you know, sometimes days at a time with my grandpas, different, different times respectively. And I loved them both dearly. I remember my grandpa Al was a very serious man. He smoked a pipe. I, I remember that. I can remember the smell vividly. I can remember getting car sick, driving through the foothills with my grandpa as he puffed on that pipe. My grandpa was a fisherman. He lived up in the foothills, him and my grandma. They were kind of, he was kind of a hermit. I think she longed to, for people, for interaction. My grandpa, he had this amazing home up in the foothills and there was a river, literally like a little river going through the backyard. And my grandpa would make his own uh, lures. He was a fly fisherman and he had all this this little workshop set up, and he would make these little flies, and he would go fishing. He was a very, uh, very patient man, at least around me. Um, apparently, he was also a very wealthy man. Like, you would never have thought it if you just sort of looked at the way he lived. Um, but he was. His father, whom he never knew, neither one of my grandfathers knew their fathers, but Grandpa Al's dad was an Italian immigrant, he took his own life when my grandpa was still just a little boy. And he kind of built a life that was very, um, very simple, very solemn. And for him, life was serious. Life was serious. Life was all about being responsible. Life was all about preparing for the worst to come, or at the very least, the next generation. And he did that, and he did that very well. My granddad, on the other hand, uh, was nothing like that. In fact, he was probably the, the extreme opposite of that. My memories of my granddad were not fishing, um, but it was riding on the back of his motorcycle before helmets were legal, legally required. I felt like they should have always been legally required, so I was like, what, nine, 10? on the back of my granddad's motorcycle without a helmet on, pretty sure granddad had been drinking because he was always drinking when I was that age. Granddad had a drawer in the refrigerator, bottom left-hand drawer, always stocked with Twinkies. <laughs> Can you even like buy Twinkies anymore? It's like going to the dark web or something to find them. Granddad was all about like the here, the now, the moment. Spend it if you got it. Eat Twinkies. 
Grandpa Al smoked a pipe. Granddad smoked cigarettes. I loved both of my grandfathers. And please don't think I'm trying to disrespect them. Um, they were just, just people, just men. And they, had, they were both looking for some kind of satisfaction in life, as we all are. And they were, they were going about it in some very different ways. They were pursuing satisfaction um, with very different sorts of um, timelines. My grandpa was all about save, save, save. Live well below your means. Give it to your, I don't know, maybe your grandchildren someday. I haven't seen it yet, still hoping. And granddad, granddad, he was a wild one. He was buying sports cars and just, uh, yeah, living in the moment. Now, without saying anything about the spiritual, um, the faith of either one of my grandparents, they um, ironically actually describe, I think um, helpfully describe two ways that we might go about navigating the tension of hope and longing. Like how, how, do, you, how do you live life? Let's say as a Christian, if you're a Christian, how, how, do, you, how do you navigate through the tension of a life rich with like the promises of, of like abundant life, healing and joy, and you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and yet, how long, O oh Lord? Like when will this be fulfilled? When will I get to experience this? Did I miss it? Is it happening and I'm not aware of it? How long, O oh Lord, in the intense tension of hope and the eternal ache of longing, all at the same time, how do we go about this? I think my grandparents were going about this, my grandfathers, whether they would have said so or not. Let me propose to you three different ways of living in the tension of hope and longing. The first one is what I call the futurist. Grandpa Al was a futurist. The futurist is the, the stoic religionist who believes that true pleasure can only be found in simply enduring through this life until we die and leave this wretched world of temptation and suffering behind. Whatever fulfillment you're hoping to experience, it's only going to be found in the next life, in heaven, in the age to come. Conversely, this is how I would describe my granddad with his Twinkies. He was the preterist. You've probably heard the word futurist. Here's a new word to impress your friends with. Preterist, P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-T. It's, it's a theological word. There's varying degrees of preterism, but a preterist is essentially, um, they're the YOLO spiritualist. Believing that this life is it, and whatever fulfillment you're looking for is going to happen in this lifetime or not at all. Many Christians, I would um, argue, 
are probably some kind of functional preterist. We'll pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. And then we'll go find another way to experience God's kingdom because waiting is super boring and hard. And so we'll, we'll hope that God is going to be true to his promises and that the joy and the peace and the hope and the, the abundant life that Jesus promised us is real. Um, but we often find, oftentimes end up just trying to build like faux kingdoms because how long, oh Lord, how long is this going to take? When, when, when? Lord, let your kingdom come. We go and seek fulfillment elsewhere because waiting is hard. Can you see yourself anywhere on the spectrum? The futurist is thinking, yeah, I know God is good, but I, I gotta die before I get to experience any of that. No one would like say it like that, right? Are you more the preterist? You're like, man, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that, that, that all the promises are true. And when Jesus said, behold, I'm coming soon, like he really meant like soon, soon. Like soon according to my timeline, like yesterday. The, the, the full preterist, the extreme preterist would actually, in this is sort of like a theological category, would actually believe that Jesus has come back. The second coming already went down and the kingdom of God is here and it's, it's happening. So if you're not experiencing it, then I, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Get with it. That's quite extreme. But where do you see yourself? How in navigating the tension of hope and longing, how do you do that? How do you go about hoping? Hoping for oftentimes, uh, I mean, some of these promises are like incredible. Some of you have been hoping for a long, long time. Sometimes the ache, the eternal ache of longing, longing can become so um, just painful that you can actually begin to think maybe hoping's not worth it. Maybe this is just too painful. Maybe, I don't know, maybe life would be better off if I could just go home and maybe there is some truth to that maybe it is better to to leave this life and to be where Jesus is at for real but what if there, what if there's a third option futurist preterist I'm going to propose a third and better way the mystic don't ask me like, why that word? I just like the word, all right? It's just such a good word. The mystic. Okay, let me, let me submit this to you. Um, this is what A.W. Tozer calls the children of the burning heart. Makes you want to be one, right? Ooh, what's that? The mystic, not to be mistaken for the spiritual moderate who attempts to simply temper their desires, okay? 
The mystic runs headlong into the promises of God, drinking deeply from the well of the spirit, eagerly expecting to be filled to the brim while also embracing the painful reality that they will continue to thirst until the lover of their soul comes. Anyone want the best of both worlds? This is the Christian mystic. This is the child of the burning heart. This is the one who says, no, I believe that all of his promises are true. And then when Jesus said, I don't withhold any good thing from you, he wasn't just talking, merely talking about someday over the rainbow. In this life, yes, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome, and my promises are available to you, at least in part, now. So ask, believe, trust, long, risk hoping, because I want, I want to invite you into something that's here, present, available, now. This is the mystic. Anyone want to know how to become a Christian mystic? Mm. What do you guys think so far? Is this, does this, um, does this ring true? Hmm? Hmm? Hmm. Very mystical. It's not really. We'll get there in a sec. The book of Revelation, this, this is where like the story ends. It's incredible, like a vivid imagery of what it's gonna look like when the river of life begins flowing right down the middle of God's city, God's kingdom as it's finally come. And yet in John chapter seven, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and out of your heart will flow the river of living water. And he was referring to the spirit who he was just about to pour out. And so there's this like intersection of the, the now and Lord when. The mystic gets to live in this uh, seemingly impossible intersection of hope fulfilled and the eternal ache of longing. Not simply tempering their desire not simply watering down so as not to get their hopes too high. On the contrary, the mystic charges headlong into the promises of God and says, Jesus, yes, everything you have for me now, please, Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. The exhortation is to be filled with the Spirit every day. You think getting drunk is fun? You think getting high is fun? You think getting laid is fun? You think fill in the blank? Get filled with the spirit. Now we're talking. Right? What does that even mean? <laughs> That's the invitation. It's the life of the mystic. But are you willing? Are you willing to believe that the kingdom, at least in part, is available. A foretaste of the kingdom, at least in part, is available now. Are you willing to go there knowing that it comes with the ache of eternal longing?
to have found God and yet still pursue him. It's the soul's paradox of love. You're so good, Jesus. You truly are the lover of my soul. But Lord Jesus, how long? Come. How to become a Christian mystic. Well, I'm not one, so I'll share with you what I've been working on. Number one, I know that um, this sort of intersection of worlds, this hope and longing, it requires being still and waiting. Be still and wait. Um, I read from Psalm 27. 27:13 I remain confident of this confident of this I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and verse 14 says wait for the Lord be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord We're told that we are told to imitate those this is the book of Hebrews imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God And we read in our text from Revelation, this was a bit of a bizarre one. You you may have wondered about this in verse 11. Let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. What we're being told there is resist the temptation in your waiting to go build the kingdom in your own steam. The temptation will to always be to take those who are doing wrong and make them do right. To, to, to the pain that won't go away, the longing that just aches and aches and aches because I'm longing for fulfillment and it's not come yet, just to make it happen. Just to, if, if, if Jesus promises me fulfillment, but dang it, it's taken a long time. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go find, I'm gonna make fulfillment happen Elsewhere, and that is always the temptation. The life of a Christian. Let's let's forget the word mystic. Okay, let's just call it being a Christian, a spirit-filled Christian. Wait, wait, and when the longing, the ache of that eternal longing becomes what feels like unbearable. Keep waiting. Keep waiting and pray. Don't just wait doing nothing. That is boring. That's unbearably boring. Wait and pray. Lord Jesus, please come. Please come. Let the one who hears say, come. Come. Lord Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come, come in my longing. Be present in my pain. Lord Jesus, come. Or do you need Jesus right now in your life? What have you stopped hoping for? because hoping got too hard.
So Jesus, come into my loneliness. I know one of the hardest things that I've ever experienced in my life is wanting to be a dad. Getting into my 30s and thinking like, hmm, maybe not in this life. Maybe not in this life. And there is no guarantee. Heck, even if like you're married and you have a spouse and you're not guaranteed anything in this life. And that's hard. That's hard. That's risky. That's risky hope. But we're told to pray, Lord Jesus, come. Maybe when Jesus comes, we'll realize that what he brings us isn't exactly what we wanted. Maybe something better. And I'm not even gonna begin to say, oh, you know what, Jesus, you think you want something, but Jesus is gonna bring you something else, and then you'll see that it's better. No, sometimes you won't see. Sometimes you won't understand. Sometimes you'll wait, you'll wait, you'll wait. And like those who were to imitate through faith and patience, imitate those who inherited the promises of God, those people died before they received the promise. That's who we're to imitate. Hmm. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Wait and pray, Lord Jesus, come. And as you're waiting, as we're praying, Lord Jesus, come. Listen and obey. Now we're getting into the deep things of the faith. As we're waiting, praying, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, please come. Lord Jesus, how long? Lord Jesus, come. Listen. When the spirit and the bride, when the spirit and the church say come, come. If you're thirsty, come. When you hear the whisper of the spirit speaking to your heart, listen and come. Respond. When the spirit says wait, then wait. When the spirit says run, then run. When the spirit says dance, then dance. When the spirit says speak, speak. When the spirit says shout, in the name of Jesus, shout. When the spirit says fight, then fight. When the spirit says be still, I know it hurts. I know the ache you feel. I too thirsted. When the spirit says be still, be still. Listen and obey. Are you guys in?